Okay, uh, like Drew said, the Christmas season is an important time for us as Christians, as believers. There's two main holidays of the Christian church, and it is, of course, Christmas. What would be the other one? Easter. Easter, Easter we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. What do we celebrate for Christmas? His birth. True or false, December 25th is Jesus' actual birthday. False. False. That's correct. What Christmas is, the, the reason we celebrate it this time of year was the early believers, there were lots of pagan holidays. They were in pagan nations and pagan countries, and they had these pagan holidays. Christmas and the celebration of Christ's birth was an attempt by the early church and early believers to redeem pagan holidays and pagan festivals. They were going on all around them, so they tr this is just their attempt at redeeming it. So a lot of things, like Drew had mentioned earlier, is uh, there's a lot of clutter that has come around Christmas and Easter as well of pagan traditions that have kind of crept in and influenced, and sometimes we've allowed it to drown out the message that we're celebrating. I can give you the mic. You sure? Okay. So like I said, what we're doing here, what Christmas is, is what I, what I hope to do here tonight is kind of clear away some of those distractions that the world has kind of brought forth and still to this day influence what we do around Christmas. Mistletoe, trees, ornaments, all of those things are brought forward from the pagan holidays. They're not bad in of themselves. Again, it's how we redeem them. Are we focused on Santa Claus? Or are we focused on the birth of Christ, God incarnate, come in the flesh and entered our world to live among us? That's what we celebrate and that's the message we have. These holidays give us opportunities that we may not have throughout the year of natural conversation of everyday life to enter into these gospel conversations with people around us that we know and that we love that may or may not be believers. So with that, um, Josh, is, this is the first part of a series. Uh, Johnny will preach, or we'll teach next week, and then Josh will close out. But what he's asked us to teach about is the significance of the gift of the wise men or the magi. And I've been assigned gold, and quite frankly, I didn't find much to teach you just on the gift of gold and what the significance is. So what I am hoping to do tonight is to, to tell the story of Christ's birth from Matthew's gospel. Okay? So with that, let's pray and then we'll get into it. Father, I pray that you would teach us tonight that uh, the, what is communicated here tonight would serve, Father, to glorify you that it would be a clear message and that you would, you would accomplish your will through it. Again, may you be glorified in our discussion this evening. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. 
I'm going to start, I'm going to read, we're mainly going to deal with Matthew, and if you've got Bibles, please open them, Matthew 2 is where we're going to be the majority of the night. Matthew 2 verses 1 through 12 is, the, is what we're going to kind of mainly focus on, but I'm going to read the entirety of the chapter of Matthew 2, okay? So beginning in Matthew 2, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold... Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being born in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and, killed, sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. Okay. This is the narrative of Matthew. Pastor Tim started uh, his, for those of you that were here Sunday, he preached from chapter 1, the first 17 verses, which deal with the lineage of Jesus. And then we get into the birth narrative at the very end of chapter 1 and going into chapter 2. This is Matthew's account of Christ's birth. Luke also has an account of the birth of Christ, but it is a different from a different perspective. It's the same story, but he highlights different things. 
the other two Gospels, interestingly enough, they don't talk about Jesus until he's a grown man and he comes into the ministry, okay? Before he, well, when he starts his earthly ministry as an adult, those years. Those, that is what John and Mark highlight. So, the, like I said, the first 12 verses is what we're going to deal with mainly tonight. So I'd like to kind of talk about the, there were five people or people groups that were listed in the first 12 verses that we read. And I want to kind of talk about those. One was King Herod, and then the wise men or magi, the child, Jerusalem or the Israelites, and the chief priests and the scribes. First, King Herod. He's the first one mentioned. King Herod, who was he? The uh, Jewish historian Josephus referred to Herod as Herod the Great. The term probably referred primarily to the fact that he was the oldest son of Antipater. A shrewd politician, Herod was a great soldier, an orator, and a builder. Aside from his appearance here in Matthew's narrative and nativity narrative, Herod the Great's building projects serve as a backdrop for many New Testament events. Herod reigned from 37 B.C. to 4 B.C. This fact, uh, among many others, but this is one of the reasons that we know that the, the birth of Christ happened somewhere between 6 B.C. and 4 B.C. Based on what we've just read, that's the case. Herod had 10 wives, and he fathered 15 children by these women. Herod, among his many accomplishments, again, it's said that he was a great soldier, an orator. Anybody know what an orator is? Good speaker, very good. And a great builder. One of, his, uh, one of the things he's really known for, building-wise, one of his biggest accomplishments was the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem after, if you remember again, those that were here Sunday, uh, Pastor Tim talked about the destruction of the temple Solomon built at the, um, during the exile, and as the people returned, a guy named Zerubbabel builds a temple, and he mentions the fact that um, those that, were, that remembered the great wonder that was the original temple that Solomon built, weeped openly for the temple that Zerubbabel built because it was, a, it was a fraction of what that one was. That temple, again, was during the intertestamental period between Malachi and the New Testament. This guy named Herod rebuilds the temple or refurbished that temple. So it was a, it was a greater temple. In fact, um, that temple, if you've ever heard of the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, this is, that's, that's part of that temple that still stands that Herod built. So Herod was an impressive guy. He was also wicked and an evil man. He was paranoid. He was constantly threatened by his rule. He, he was paranoid that um, he was going to lose his reign, his rule over the region of Judea. So 
wicked was he and so paranoid was he. He had one of his wives and four of his sons executed because they, in his mind, he perceived they threatened his reign. As king, uh, uh, king of Judea. Another interesting thing about uh, Herod is Herod's not a Jew. It says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Herod's not even a Jew. Herod is an Idumean. It's a Greek for, the, for Edomite. You heard the term Edomites before. The Edomites were descendants, and I'll be very impressed if anyone can tell me who are the descendants uh, of the Edomites. Who do they come from? Esau. Very good, outstanding. Uh, who was Esau? Brother, twin brother of Jacob, the older brother of Jacob that was deceived. Jacob deceived his father Isaac and took the birthright of Esau. Well, Edom, the Edomites are the descendants of Esau. That's very good. Um, so he's not even a Jew, yet he's reigning. He was appointed by Rome um, to rule and govern the region of Judea. That was, that's who give him his authority to reign. The next group of people mentioned is the wise men or the magi. The Magi were an ancient priestly sect from the east. Uh, they would be wise in the uh, things of the world and the nations around them about their different religious practices and things. They were known as kingmakers. If you've ever seen kind of a medieval TV show or, or movie, you have kings that have trusted advisors. These are the type of people that the Magi were. They would have been wise and they, kings would have sought the wise counsel of these kind of people, these people. Uh, there are some historians that will trace the Magi even back to as far as Ur of the Chaldeans. Does that sound familiar? Ur of the Chaldeans. Where do we hear Ur of the Chaldeans? What, what do you think of when you think of Ur of the Chaldeans? Abraham. Abraham. Very good. So that's many, many years prior to what we're talking about here. Over a thousand years prior to what we're talking here. So this is an old sect of people, like I said, priestly sect. This group of people was very likely influenced by Daniel and those like Daniel that were in exile to Babylon uh, during the ex uh, exile of Judah. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you, I need two people. Daniel 2, 1 through 4, who wants to go ahead, um, Logan? Aiden, you get Daniel 2, 46 and 49. Daniel 2, 1, and 1 through 4. Okay, like I said, Daniel would have influenced these people. When they were exiled, uh, he would have had great influence on them. Let me know when you get there. Go ahead. When the second year is reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams 
Okay. Go ahead, Aiden. If you notice in the text, in the passage that Logan read, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, has a dream that troubles him, and he calls who? He calls the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans. You notice that the Chaldeans, this is the people he called. These were the wise men, the magi. This is who he was calling to interpret his dream. Well, if you know the story, they were unable to interpret the dream. So the passage that Aiden read is on the other end, Daniel interprets correctly the dream and he is rewarded. Not only is he rewarded by Nebuchadnezzar with influence over the kingdom in Babylon, but Daniel, if you know the story of Daniel, he had three really good friends and counterparts, uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you see here in what Aiden read, he asks... um, requested the king appoint them to the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel's request was to remain at the king's court. So he not only interpreted what these wise men, traditionally wise men, couldn't interpret, he would have been over them now and had influence over them. So this tradition of the... This is 500 plus, almost 600 years prior to what we're reading here in Matthew. But the influence, it's not a stretch for us to say that the, the, the text of the Old Testament, which was all of the Scripture that was had at that time, that the teachings of, that Daniel knew and uh, of what we have in the Old Testament, those traditions would have been taught to these people. And they would have passed them down. The next um, is the child, Jesus. That's the third person here. It says, born king of the Jews. Jesus was born king of the Jews. He was not appointed by anybody. He was born king of the Jews. He was found by the Magi in a house, not in a manger. Again, that's when I said that we kind of know when Jesus was born based on the reaction of Herod and his decree to kill all the male children, two years old and younger, indicates that Jesus was at least that old or younger. That's the time frame he was looking at. So this is not the baby in the manger that we see at the Luke's telling of the story. This is a little bit older of a child, and he's found in a house with his mother. So he would have been a little older. Next, you have Jerusalem or the Israelites, the Jews. These are God's chosen people. These are the people of the promises of God. These are the covenant people of God. 
And finally, the chief priests and the scribes. They're the religious leaders of Israel. They would have included the religious uh, sects of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which in our day would be better, you could understand, they would be the more conservative side and the more liberal side. Um, the, the Pharisees being more conservative, the Sadducees being a little more on the liberal side. Now, why do I say this? Because we're going to enter, these, these people have been introduced and kind of tell you a little bit about each one and the players here as we see what happens unfold again in real time, in real history. This is a narrative of actual people and actual events that took time in, in human history. So we go back. Verses, first two verses that we read of chapter 2. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Wise men from the east. These are pagans. We've talked about who these wise men are. They're pagans. And they're coming to worship this child. How? Why? They, again, like I said, probably had some knowledge of the Old Testament prophecies and promises um, that Daniel and those uh, in exile could have taught them and they passed down through tradition. But the fact is, is these wise men from the East, and, and, and kind of get in your mind um, who these are. Because uh, remember, I told you Herod was paranoid. Show that first slide. This is typically what we see on um, Christmas cards this time of year. Three men on a camel following the big bright star in the sky. That's what we typically think of. I couldn't find a picture that I was happy with that better represented it, but show the other one. This is more likely what they would have looked like. This travel that they undertook was at... 800 to 1,000 miles, and this is how they travel. They didn't have cars. I Googled it. Um, 800 miles is from here to Miami Beach. It takes about 13 hours by car. Or 1,000 miles is from here to Lubbock, Texas. It takes just shy of 16 hours to drive by car. So this is, they were traveling a long time over treacherous terrain. This was no small journey for them, yet they took it. It would have required enormous resources to do it. Now, like I said, they're kingmakers. They would have come from a royal um, um, nation that they would have had the resources available to make the journey. They make the journey. This is who's coming to see and to worship this child that is born. So that's who we have, the first two verses. Um, verses 3 and 4. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now here's the king, he's asking, Who are you looking for? Let me go back. One, the star. 
Uh, some have said, did they study the stars? And, because the Magi would have been studiers of, the, studiers of the stars and things like that. And all of the things that I have read most agree that this is a supernatural light in the sky that directed them to where they were going. And there's an indication that it starts them on their journey in the direction they are to go, but it goes away because they come to Herod. Herod's not in Bethlehem. Herod would have been in Jerusalem. So they come to Herod asking, uh, trying to ascertain where this child is that they're looking for. So very much like the, if you remember the, uh, out of Exodus, God led the people of Israel by day with a cloud and by night with fire. So it's a supernatural star in the sky. It's not an actual star. If you see a bright star in the night and you start following it, it you'll go in a certain direction, but it's, gonna, it's not going to get any closer. This is a, something different. So they ascertained and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired where the Christ was to be born. Like I said, these would have been different theologically. They would have interpreted the Scriptures and saw the Scriptures very differently. But they very much immediately answered the question. Somebody look up Micah 5.2 for me. They answered the question very fast. Who wants it? Tell you what, find Matthew 2 2 where we should be, and it's written there in verse 6. It's the same verse. He cites Micah 5 2 in, chapter, in verse 6. Matthew 2, verse 6. And so they answered him from the prophet. Micah from the Old Testament. They immediately, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you shall for from you shall come a ruler who would shepherd my people Israel. Who is Judah? Was Judah in that line that Pastor Tim preached about Sunday? Was Judah in that line? Judah was in that line. So they answer him immediately. They agree. This is who these men are coming, coming for. So verse 7, Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Herod summoned the wise men in secret. Wanted to know when did the star appear? How long had they been on their journey? When had they left? So he sends them where? To Bethlehem, where the scribes, 
chief priests and the scribes told him from the prophet in Bethlehem. So he sends them toward Bethlehem. And he says, bring me word so that I too may come and worship him. Who thinks he was actually wanting to worship him? He did not. We've already talked about Herod was jealous and any rule threatened him that threatened him he wanted to squash. So evil was this man. He's already proven that. He's killed his own children to protect his reign. And again, one of the reasons I showed the pictures is you have to imagine that when these wise men enter Jerusalem looking for this child, this is a big deal. They're coming with lots of pomp and circumstance. This is not three men on a camel that have made a 800-mile journey. This is a great group of people. Second, three wise men. Why, why, why do you think we say three? Why is it just landed on three? Anybody got a guess why we land on three? The gifts, the three gifts, that's correct. That's kind of why we landed on three. Matthew does not say, does he say in here how many? He just says wise men. Some scholars, and this would make more sense, but again, there's no proof of it, have suggested that it was as many as 12. That sounds like a number that's been used in the Bible a lot, right? 12? There was, but the idea is there, this, would have been, this would have been a great display of people entering, looking for a, this child to be worshipped. This would have threatened a man that is already paranoid to lose his rule, right? So you can see what we're... This is the mind frame of Herod. So he's not wanting to worship the child. So verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. The star reappears over Bethlehem. And they find Jesus with his mother Mary in a house. And they fell down prostrate, fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, what do you think gold signifies? Rich, that's right. So what do you think of when you think of rich? Power. Who said power? Okay. Generally, who has power? Kings. So there's, there's three offices that Jesus is, and king is one of them. Okay, It says back here, where is this who has been born king of the Jews? This gold is symbolic, not just biblically, but historically. When you think of kings, you think of crowns and gold crowns, right? With jewels and all kinds of stuff. So gold is associated with kings. That's what this gift signifies. The king has been born. Next, if you notice, there's prophecy that is fulfilled here. And so what is prophecy? Josh talks about prophecy to y'all, especially those that have come through children and now as students. Prophecy. What, does, what is prophecy? Anybody? Anybody? 
They, they, they speak for God from God. God gives them a message to tell the people and they tell it, right? So if we go back and at the very end of, there's five instances from chapter 1, verse 22, to the end of chapter 2, five instances where Matthew, the author of the book, says this was to fulfill prophecy, prophecy of the Old Testament. At this time, there is no New Testament. It's only Old Testament Scripture. And a good way for you to think of testament is another way of saying covenant. So the old covenant, there's no new covenant yet. We're still under the old covenant that God made with His people, Israel. That's where we are, and that's the Scriptures. That's what the Old Testament is. So, um, verse 22 speaks of, um, of Mary bearing a son, but it's not going to be Joseph's son, biologically. He's telling Joseph. Joseph is set. He is um, again uh, no, uh, not a no, but um, um, he's set to wed Mary. It's like our engagements. They're not married yet, but he's set to marry her. And when he finds out she's with child, he is going to, being an honorable man, it says he's going to divorce her, or divorce her quietly. In this day, you had to just, even though you weren't married, you still had to write a certificate of divorce. So he is told in a dream not to do this, that the child she's carrying is from God, from the Holy Spirit. So verse 23 says, uh, he speaks of all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You can find that in Isaiah 7 through 714. And Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. We've already seen Micah 5, 2 fulfilled um, in Matthew 2, where it says, You, O Bethlehem, the answer describes, give Herod of where this child is to be born. And then skipping down to verses 15, the flight to Egypt. Someone look up Hosea 11, 1. And somebody look up Numbers 24.8. And while you're doing that, somebody else look up Jeremiah, 20, uh, Jeremiah 31, 15. Numbers 24, verse 8. Hosea 11, 1. And then the last is um, Isaiah 11, 1. Who wants that? 31.15. Yes. All right. Uh, hold on. You you got num- You got Hosea. Okay. So verse fifteen says he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Read twenty four eight. This is from Numbers 24:18, and if you're not familiar with Numbers 24, the section of Numbers 23 and 24 in there is a 
one of the weird Old Testament stories, again, this is a historical narrative, so it actually happened, even though it sounds fantastic and unbelievable, of Balaam and his donkey. And Balaam gives oracles. Um, after the donkey he is riding or leading stops because the angel of the Lord appears three times and the donkey is the only one that sees it and he turns to the side each time. And each time he turns to the side, Balaam strikes his donkey until the donkey speaks and asks him, why are you doing this? So the donkey speaks. And this, again, and then Balaam is, you know, hears from the angel of the Lord and he gives oracles. And what... It, what um, Casey just read is one of the oracles he gave back in Numbers. This is the wilderness generation. This is a long way back. And this is what he's talking about. Out of Egypt I called my son. Matthew 16, Then Herod, when he saw he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and sent and killed the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under. According to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men this was to fulfill what was fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah who had it all right and quickly and finally verse 23 and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. Who had uh, Isaiah 11 1? Is that you? Isaiah 11 1. The stump of Jesse. Does anybody know who Jesse is? Jesse was in that line. Huh? Aiden? Huh? David's father. Who's David? David's the king. So we're talking about the king here. Now this one again, that verse I give you is what some say that he might have been referring to. Matthew says uh, in here that this... Uh, was to fulfill, again, that what was spoken by the prophets that it might be fulfilled, he should be called a Nazarene. There's not a verse in the Old Testament that specifically says this, per se. But the fact that Matthew writes it under the uh, guidance of the Holy Spirit, we can rest assured that it is true. This is not one of those where, good job, Matthew. Four out of five ain't bad, buddy, but you missed it on that last one. You should have stopped back there. 
um, with Rachel weeping for her children because you missed it on this one. We can't find a verse for that. No, we can rest assured that this is a fulfillment of prophecy. So this is five things that this section of Scripture fulfills with this narrative of Christ being born that fulfills prophecy. So let's go back and look. We've introduced the players and what's happened. So many people missed this that should have got it. And it's tragic. You go back to the scribes and the chief priests. They answer the question without hesitation who this is. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They're answering a question of the king because these men have shown up asking where is the child who is born king of the Jews. And we're not told that they do anything but go back to where they came from. They just received news. Someone is inquiring of this king, this deliverer that has been promised throughout the Old Testament that they know so well. This is him. And they go their own way. They miss it. They go home. Herod misses it, of course. Herod is only interested in himself. Herod doesn't miss it because he's not a Jew. The wise men are not Jews. They're pagans. They're not Jewish at all. The only people that got it were these ancient Far East wise men from a long way away that come looking for this promise. Jerusalem misses it. It says Jerusalem was troubled. Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Why do you think Jerusalem was troubled? If you live under the rule of a wicked and evil ruler, when he's troubled, you think you should be troubled? And it was warranted because he orders a decree to kill every male child two years old and under. We have abortion in our day, and that's horrific. But can you imagine not just giving the order, but the soldiers and the people that carry out that order to go and very likely just beheaded, run swords through them of these kids, children, babies. This is, this is wicked. This is evil. They missed the message. Do we miss the message? Does the clutter and bustle and busyness of this time of year drowned out the message that this child that was born in Bethlehem 2000, some 2,000 years ago. And we have benefit of the New Covenant, the New Testament Scriptures that tells us who this is and that He will return. But they missed it. All of these people missed it. And it was promised, and they knew it. And the people that shouldn't have missed it, missed it. And the people that have no reason whatsoever. I mean, why, why would these wise men from afar come looking for this child that said was born king of the Jews? I have, you know, thoughts. We, kind of going along the lines of the things that y'all uh, studied the last few weeks about election and predestination. 
There's passages in John that says, no one can come to me unless the Father first draw him. We can say, because it's a supernatural star that they follow, that it was God that drew them to Bethlehem, to Jerusalem, and then ultimately to Bethlehem to worship this child. But they were looking. They knew to look. This is not random. They had the same information. Probably had less of it passed down than what the Jews definitely had. They had the teaching. The scribes and the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. They were the ones that taught the people. They knew this. They missed it. So do we miss it? Do we miss with Christmas trees and presents and parties and this and that and vacations and do we allow the busyness of our lives and the t- this time of year to drown out the message of the Messiah being born? God incarnate comes to dwell among us. It's a big deal. It's a real big deal. When you think about it, when you play out the implications of what this is, Mary carries and nurtures the God of the universe. At the same time, her body is nourishing nourishing the physical body of the baby Jesus in her womb. At that same time, He, he, because He's God, is granting her each breath she takes. He is simultaneously giving her the very breath of life He is simultaneously holding the stars in the heavens in their place. He didn't cease to become God, but He did become man, and He dwelt among us. This is the message of Christmas. God incarnate came to live and dwell among us. Let's not be like the chief priests and the scribes. Jerusalem the Israelites, to miss the message. They missed it. And they had the promises. This is not foreign to them. We have the same promises in Christ. This child that was born. Let's not miss it and not let this time of year clutter what this season represents for us. And let it serve to not just remind us of the importance of this time of year, but the importance of telling people about this child born King of the Jews who is sitting at the Father's right hand right now in heaven interceding for us. The Savior of the world who can forgive and does forgive sin if you place your faith and trust in Him. That's our message. Let's not miss it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the students. Thank you for the opportunity to, to teach. Uh, Father, if there was any confusion on my part, I pray that you would clear it up and it would not, you would not allow it to influence or affect. But Father, most of all, I pray that we would not miss this season and what it represents and what we are celebrating in the birth of your Son. May we be reminded each and every day of our need for Him and our, the world's desperate need to hear of the gospel message 
of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.